You're listening to the SSPX Podcast. We're happy to present True Heroes, a series of stories of the lives of the saints presented by Father Thomas Tam. To Christ alone has she, the Church, attributed the honor that he, by a certain absolute and excellent power, should tread the serpent underfoot, and at the same time endow others, and above all his mother Mary, with similar power. Nor do we thus make the mother the equal of the Son, but rather proclaim his greater glory, in that not only personally, but through his mother and many others, he acts against the old serpent so powerfully that they, though by nature weak, triumph over so great a foe and reduce all his strength and cunning to nothingness. St. Peter Canisius. Hello everyone and welcome to True Heroes. Our subject for today is St. Peter Canisius. Let us dive into this saint's life, who was one of the first followers of St. Ignatius of Loyola and the Society of Jesus. St. Peter Canisius was born on May 8, 1521 at Nijmegen, now part of Holland, um, just to warn you all ahead of time. There's a lot of weird names in here, which I'm probably going to mess up. On the same day of St. Peter Canisius' birth, Martin Luther was put under ban by an edict, which marked the formal start of the Protestant Revolution. Uh, St. Peter's biographers point to the coincidence, for he was to become the leading figure in the Catholic Counter-Reformation in Germany and Switzerland. A great factor in St. Peter's vocation was the friendship of a holy young priest, Father Nicholas von Esch, who gave him spiritual direction when he went to Cologne to study. St. Peter was then 15 years old. Not only did he confess to Father Nicholas, but he used to go to him often before retiring and tell him about all his falls, his foolish behavior, and the things that might have stained his soul during that day. This openness and willingness to be directed would certainly lead him to great spiritual progress. And then here is a little rebuke for all of us. Although Peter once accused himself of idleness in his youth, he could not have been idle for that long. For at the age of 19, he had already received a master's degree from the University of Cologne. Soon afterwards, he met Peter Faber, the first disciple, or one of the first disciples of Ignatius of Loyola, who influenced Peter so much that he joined the recently formed Society of Jesus. At this early age, Peter had already taken up a practice he continued throughout his life, a process of study, reflection, prayer, and writing. On his 22nd birthday, while making a retreat under Blessed Peter Faber, one of the nine original Jesuits, St. Peter Canisius made a vow to enter the newly founded order. He did so and began his novitiate soon after. On June 12, 1546, he was ordained a priest. The next two years he taught at Messina. He became widely known for his editions of the writings of St. Cyril of Alexandria and St. Leo the Great. Besides this reflective literary bent, Peter had a zeal for the apostolate. 
He could often be found visiting the sick or imprisoned, even when his assigned duties in other eras were more than enough to keep most people fully occupied. In 1547, Peter attended several sessions of the Council of Trent, whose decrees he was later assigned to implement. After a brief teaching assignment at the Jesuit College in Messina, Peter was entrusted with the mission to Germany, and from that point on was his life's work. He taught in several universities and was instrumental in establishing many colleges and seminaries. He wrote a catechism that explained the Catholic faith in a way that common people could understand, which was a great need of that age. Uh, he was a renowned, popular teacher. He packed the churches with those eager to hear um, the proclamation of the gospel. Uh, he had a great diplomatic ability, often serving as a reconciler between disputing factions. So when two people were arguing, he was usually the one trying to um, dissipate the anger and help um, the two uh, become friends again or get back together. In his letters, which fill about eight volumes, uh, one finds words of wisdom and counsel to people in all walks of life. At times, he wrote unprecedented letters of criticism to the leaders of the church, but this was always from loving and sympathetic concern. For many years during the Protestant Revolution, Peter saw the students in his universities swayed by the flashy speeches and the well-written arguments of the Protestants. So Peter was not alone in wishing for a Catholic catechism that would present true Catholic beliefs undistorted by fanatics. Finally, King Ferdinand himself ordered Peter and his companions to write a catechism, as we mentioned a little bit earlier. Leger, who was a friend of Peter's, was obviously the logical choice, for he was a much better writer than Peter. So Peter decided to relax and sat back to offer any help he could. Uh, unfortunately for him, Father Leger died, and King Ferdinand would wait no longer. So Peter said of the writing of this catechism, I have never learned to be elegant as a writer, but I cannot remain dumb on that account. So the first issue of the catechism appeared in 1555 and was an immediate success. Uh, Peter approached Christian doctrine in two parts. Firstly, he considered wisdom, including the virtues of faith, hope, and charity, and then went to justice avoiding evil and doing good, linked by a section on sacraments. Because of the success and the need, Peter quickly produced two more versions, a shorter catechism for middle school students, which concentrated on helping this age group choose good over evil by concentrating on a different virtue each day of the week. So I would certainly encourage you children to, to do that, to just take a virtue each day of your week and focus on performing that virtue in the best possible way throughout your day. He also made a, uh, what he called the shortest catechism, which was for very young children, which included the prayers for morning and evening and for meal times and so forth to get them used to the idea of prayer. 
even in quasi-modern times in some parts of Germany, parents are asking their children, have you learned your kinesis? And this is based off of the catechisms that he wrote. In 1549, St. Peter began a 30-year period which was spent chiefly in Germany, where he accomplished the major work of his life. In his encyclical of August 1st, 1897, Pope Leo XIII calls St. Peter Canisius the second apostle of Germany after St. Boniface. He says that he cannot describe but only mention, quote, the details of this man of outstanding holiness. With what effort he labored to recall the fatherland, torn by dispute and strife, to its ancient harmony and concord. With what zeal he entered the fray against the teachers of error. With, that, with what sermons he aroused souls. What troubles he endured. How many regions he traveled to. How grave were the positions of legate he took in the cause of the faith. So that is from the encyclical Militantes Ecclesiae, 1897. An important part of St. Canisius's career could be summed up under the heading of education. Obviously, he wrote the catechisms, but he also founded or helped in founding Jesuit colleges in Cologne, Vienna, Prague, and a variety of other places, Munich, Innsbruck, um, these other places, I have a list of like eight or nine in front of me, and I can't pronounce any others other than, than that. Uh, he also had considerable influence in turning Pope Gregory XIII into, quote, the Pope of the seminaries, unquote. Gregory had given his name to the famous Gregorian University in Rome and had pushed the seminary movement, which would be the soul of the Counter-Reformation, throughout the Catholic world. In 1580, at the age of 59, St. Peter Canisius went as a substitute to Freiburg, Switzerland to found another college. There he engineered the founding of the university and it was there he spent the last 17 years of his life. His coming to Switzerland made a great difference to the faith of that country. Uh, Pope Benedict XV in 1921 said, quote, If the Swiss have kept the Catholic faith, after God, it must be attributed especially to the watchfulness and wisdom of this holy man. Unquote. Thirty years before, St. Peter Canisius and two fellow Jesuits had come to Germany. Uh, when he left it in 1580, never to return, he left behind more than 1,100 members of the Society of Jesus. Among his correspondents, so those whom he contacted and spoke with, were St. Ignatius of Loyola, St. Francis Borgia, St. Francis de Sales, and St. Charles Borromeo, along with Blessed Peter Faber, three popes, two emperors, twelve cardinals, and many bishops and other prominent men. In the last ten years of his life, St. Peter did not in fact consider himself a theological writer, but rather he aimed at inspiring devotion. One of his greatest works is certainly his Opus Marianum, of which Pope Pius XI wrote, quote, 
for 800 pages beside the exquisite learning, the tender piety by which blessed Peter was enkindled towards the incomparable Virgin Mary and most holy mother of God, to use his own words, is poured forth with disarming candor, unquote. This Pope also mentions that St. Peter Canisius died, quote, as it is piously believed, with the mother of the Lord herself standing by, unquote. St. Peter Canisius could not have been so successful in his struggle against heresy without his fervent and confident devotion to the Blessed Virgin Mary. The last sedality which he founded, that of Freiburg, continued to exist even into the 20th century. Near Freiburg, where he ended his life, the aged saint used frequently to climb the 2,000-foot eminence to the Shrine of Our Lady. At the end of his Opus Marianum, he wrote expressing the love that kept him to this laborious task. Quote, Most august queen and most true and faithful Mother Mary, whom none implores in vain, I beg of thee reverently from my heart that thou, to whom all mankind are bound in everlasting gratitude, wouldst deign to accept and approve this poor testimony of my love of thee, graciously measuring its littleness by the good will that went into its making. With Saint Ephraim, I dare to say, grant that I may praise thee, sacred virgin. At 70 years old, Peter suffered a paralytic seizure, but he continued to preach and write with the aid of a secretary until his death in his hometown of Nijmegen, Netherlands, on December 21st, 1597. From the life of St. Peter Canisius, we see how we should be dedicated to the spread of the Catholic faith. It is true that as children, you are not expected to preach from the pulpit or go into the streets teaching those passing by, but you can contribute to this effort by your prayers, especially your prayers for the conversion of sinners, as Our Lady of Fatima has asked us to do. You can also contribute by your studies and growing in the knowledge of our faith yourself. Thank you very much for joining me, and I hope you will join me tomorrow for our podcast on St. Paul of the Cross, an Italian of the late 17th century who founded the great order of the Passionists. Until then, God bless you all, my friends. St. Peter Canisius, pray for us.